Hello and welcome back to another episode of Biomast. We are episode 165. Uh, we've got a guest, which is great. We've got someone who might be a little late, but let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. I'm Sarizel. Um, I uh, sometimes play games. I haven't played games in like a week. Um, I, I've been I've been programming, but that's that's it. We should make you do like a weekly game review instead. You know, I, I'm. I, I have like a big backlog of VR titles I want to play and review, mm -hmm. and it's just it's such a hassle to get out the VR headset. But um, I've got the uh, Vive Deluxe audio strap actually shipped, and that's supposed to make the Vive a lot more awesome. And so once I get that, probably next week, I'll probably find some time uh, clean clean up my area here so I can do the uh, um, room scale games and uh, you know line up a couple titles to review. Did you order that from Amazon, or is that too expensive for your crusade against Amazon? I, I had already ordered it on Amazon before Amazon ticked me off. <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> Alright, Bate, you're up, man. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Bate. Um, I play games. I play particularly bad games uh, this week. And uh, Fallout. I've been playing Fallout again as well. Which Fallout? Fallout 4? Yeah, 4. Nice. All right, and our guest for this week is from the Discord channel over on Dust Five and Four Veterans, Jordy Mack. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, Jordy Mack, uh, aka the Mashed Avenger. How you going? Uh, yeah, I don't play. I just play a lot of games, but I play them badly, and uh, I enjoy them. All right. I didn't know you, uh, Soraya had a VR headset. That's cool, man. We got to hook up. I'm positive you knew. You invited me to the Valkyrie. Uh, Discord group. Well, well, maybe I knew and then I forgot. You knew and then you You've forgot, never which is fine because I've never played <laughs> with you. That's right. Zell is forgettable, so it's okay. Um, and it's true. Before, it's true. And I'm uh, of course Pokey Draven. I help co-host the show. I for the blog periodically. I uh, fight a lot on the uh, Discord channel over the Dust Five One Four veterans, and it's a lot of fun. So uh, Jay, unfortunately, is going to be running a little bit late. We are actually recording this a day early due to scheduling issues. It's Zell's fault, as most things are. Uh, so we're recording this on Saturday instead of Sunday. So we we kind of caught Jay for a loop, and he's going to be a little late. But he'll drop in later, so we'll uh, we'll have him do his intro when that happens. However, let's get started with some of the topics. Um, Disney had a big event. This is their D23 event. They have it every year. Uh, lots of big, big announcements. So we'll start off with probably one of the bigger ones, which is uh, Disney-related at the very least, is the behind-the-scenes footage that was actually released for Star Wars Episode Eight. Did you guys have a chance to take a look at this? Yes. No. So it was you... watching it was compulsory, apparently, so yes. Yes, I made them watch it. As usually, we try to do this ahead of time. I mean, I know we're known for our boundless unprofessionalism and like to figure the shit out halfway through the show. But every once in a while, I make them watch it ahead of time. So, what you guys think of this one? Um, it was, you know, kind of flashes of everything, but just kind of general thoughts. It's Star Wars. They, you know, they they did. Uh, they stated that uh, they uh, that. They think it's, you know, I, I'm trying to remember who it was, said, you know, he thought it was going to take a different uh, different direction than people would expect after the seventh one or something like that. And I, I really hope so, because seven was really generic. I think that was Daisy Ridley that said that, and Mark Hamill kind of echoed those words. He said something to the effect of, um, he's like, yeah, and when I think I know where the story's going, they just they throw me a curveball. And it's like, oh my God, I don't know where the story's going. Um, so hopefully that that is a good thing. Uh, as far as like you know, oh my God, did we see anything new? 
No, not really. It's the same thing you've seen over and over again since the 70s. It's Star Wars, guys. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, that like trailer, then. it doesn't really give away much, does it? Nope. Yeah, I mean, it's a behind-the-scenes thing. It's just trying to show you kind of a look at, you know, the filming and whatnot and kind of the stuff they're doing. And, and like Zell said, um, you know, Seven was, was a very great film, but it was also a little generic, and I think that was probably necessary given the time jump between, you know, uh, the last film and, and Episode Seven coming out. But they really needed to kind of go... Uh, kind of take a little bit of risk here with this one i think and it sounds like that's you know what they're doing with it so i'm i'm looking forward to it you know i'm always i'm not like a huge star wars fan but whenever i see stuff like this you know i get kind of hyped i remember when i was uh sitting in the theater for seven on the the, the night of the premiere i was just like okay yeah i'm actually sufficiently nerding out here you know like it it it, it kind of builds on you as you get closer so you know this this is pretty fun you know it's obviously coming up soon here so i'm i'm looking forward to it it's you know, it's actually a nice behind-the-scenes look. It's not going to give you any, you know, hard information, but you can kind of see um, a lot of what I saw was actually kind of behind the scenes of them filming a lot of the scenes that were probably going to appear in the trailer. Like, the one that came to mind was uh, in the trailer, it shows them kind of in this field of, like, red gravel almost, you know, flying around on ships. And um, there's a shot of this camera guy who's in this trench recording something, and he gets absolutely creamed by this, you know, pile of red gravel or whatever so you know you can kind of get a look at the the manpower behind making some of these scenes you know actually happen it it was actually a pretty good piece so you know lots of good shots of um all the characters you know you see you know uh, finn and ray and uh you know carrie fisher appears in several scenes so obviously she's not absent from the film i'm interested to see how they actually you know write that in and then get that working you know, properly and, and have it make sense without it being, you know, too, too hedged in there. But, uh, you know, definitely worth taking a look at. We'll have that in the show notes and you should for sure check it out. Well, apparently she, um, she'd finished filming eight before, before she died. So she's going to be in this, I would think throughout the whole thing. Okay. Um, and then either she'll die at the end of eight or like at the beginning of nine, I figure. Yeah. That, that transition will be interesting. And yeah, you know, that's, it's not the kind of thing you can just kind of shove to the side and, and write out. They've actually got to probably change a fair bit of the story, I think, to actually make that happen. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. There are a bunch of lightsabers or lightsaber mock-ups everywhere too. So, oh yeah, lots lots of more lots more of that. I'm 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 excited. Oh yeah, she may be the last Jedi, but she's definitely not the last Sith. I think I counted like. There was one scene in the in the behind the scenes footage where she's she's holding the little mock up lightsaber. There's at least four dudes with what are presumably going to be lightsabers, uh, like swinging down at her. So. Yeah, and and you actually in some of the shots you saw Kylo Ren, and it was really quick, but you could tell that his face was a lot more messed up. He had some scarring, um, <laughs> presumably from you know the fight at the end of, of Episode Seven. So you know they're they're kind of messing him up over time, which I think will be good to kind of really drill into his character so yeah that's that's star wars um like i said it's just a quick behind this screen behind the scenes trailer i think it was like maybe two and a half minutes long but uh really good footage i do suggest to go check it out um but that wasn't the only thing that disney showed off and i'll, I'll kind of preface this by saying that almost all of this was behind closed doors there is no official video so when we talk about this it's mostly people who were actually there kind of giving their account of, of what was seen uh, so you, you don't expect to find any official videos. It doesn't videos. mean anything in the <laughs> schedule of dust releasing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, you mean for, for Star Wars? Yeah, that's... Um, for Nova? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there, there, was a, there was a quote a while back about Rattati saying that the... Uh, 
CCB Ritani saying that the uh, game would be playable in some form or another before the next Star Wars film came out, uh, Episode Eight. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would. Uh, That's I know, I would, I would, Yeah. All right. Sorry for bringing that up. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. it's, it's fine. fine. Just just keep in mind that that project had moved, and there was obviously delays associated with it, and they made a point to go, hey. Things were delayed because we had to move, which is understandable. So I that was that was by no means an official statement, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. So fingers crossed, still. But you know, if if they miss that kind of soft promissory deadline, I won't be uh, too surprised. I figured we could just have one vague uh, Dust Nova related link, episode, <laughs> and then that's sure. it for but, sure. Yeah. We've done that. But yeah, so with the other stuff at uh, D23, um, like I said, there's there's no actual trailers for this, so um, keep that in mind. This is all kind of just first-hand experience from the people who are actually there, so we don't have many trailers that you can look at. There might be a bootleg copy somewhere online, but we couldn't find anything official. But first big one, uh, obviously we cover a lot of Marvel stuff here. They did show off uh, Avengers Infinity Wars, which is kind of the, you know, the big bookend at the end of this arc of all of the Marvel stuff going on. So, um, I mean, I know you guys are probably pretty excited about this one. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, they kind of talked a bit about what to expect, um, the stuff that was shown there. Uh, the, the beginning of kind of the, the presentation, it kind of recaps everything leading up until this point, kind of going through all the films and, and what the extended universe had been happening so far. And then it cuts to a scene of Thor basically getting hit Mid in the middle of space by the Guardians of the Galaxy starship, he just comes crashing into the the windshield. They kind of drag him inside, and that's kind of where it all starts. So you know, there's there's obviously you know, Guardians of the Galaxy just came out recently, Volume Two. Um, this is actually more of a tie-in than I thought they would have. It sounds like they're actually pretty pretty integral to what's going to be going on in the plot. What are your guys' thoughts on this? I haven't been paying attention to them. Every no, time I, I link, there's a new movie out, and I try, I'm trying to keep up with them, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't go see the last Guardians film, but I, I know there was kind of a tie-in to, to uh, was it Thanos at the end of the first one or something, right? Yeah, I mean, Thanos has kind of appeared a couple times, and, and they, they hint at it. I'm no Marvel buff, but you know they, they definitely yeah. make hints at a lot of this stuff kind of tying in together. See, what I don't get is like, okay, the, the, the Guardians, yeah, whatever, that's fine, because there's that little tie-in, but like, what was it? Uh, like fucking Spider-Man. Why? What's he got to do with any of it? Well, is he, he, see what I'm saying? He was technically part of the Avengers in certain iterations of that that whole series, and obviously he makes his appearance in uh, Civil War, the Captain America film. So I mean, he's around. Oh um, yeah. In right. Homecoming, obviously Tony Stark is very connected to Spider-Man and what's going on. So you know, he's well, he's, he's in there. He's it's all York, it's all part of it. But, but yeah, yeah, they're all in New York. <laughs> Speaking of superheroes, we have one just pop in here. Why don't you want to uh, introduce yourself, Jay? Hey, guys, it's Jason. Uh, running a little bit late to the podcast tonight, so I just thought I'd uh, hop in and make a fashionable appearance right out of the phone booth. <laughs> it's all right. It's my fault. It, it is Tell's fault. That's all totally over. Fault. But, uh, yeah, we were just talking about uh, at the Disney D23 event, they uh, were showing off some footage of uh, – uh, Avengers Infinity Wars and, and kind of how stuff is tying in together. You've got, you know, Thor seen with the Guardians of the Galaxy. You've got Loki picking up the Tesseract. Uh, Iron Man is seen with the Guardians. Uh, Star-Lord is actually fighting Thanos at one point. Peter Parker makes an appearance. And uh, apparently Captain America is uh, sporting a beard and messy hair. Um, so it'd be interesting to see kind of the, the back, backstory behind that one. So I, there's no actual video here to watch yet. 
no, that this, like I said, it's all behind closed doors. This is uh, the account of people who are actually there. That's awful. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, but that's just kind of how this goes. Hopefully, they won't they won't wait too long getting some of this out here. But they like to kind of keep some of that as an exclusive. You know, you got to come to the event to get the 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 scoop on it um, ahead of time before they just kind of put it on the internet. Well, I think that it looks like they've also uh, just the stills that they've released. They've got uh, a new look on several of the different uh, kind of the the Thanos uh, sort of sub bad guys that are kind of traditional to the comic book. The Black Order they're they're around, so it looks like uh, let's see, Proxima Midnight, Ebony Maw, Black Dwarf. I can't remember the other guy's name. So like all of his basically his lieutenants that are traditional in the comics are there, and it looks like uh, Thanos has kind of a new look. A uh, little bit more kind of purple Hulk like you know, almost uh, as a, as opposed to sort of the uh, King in the Throne kind of thing. So it's it's a uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I think they're I think they're definitely bringing a lot of the things in the Marvel universe to a crescendo with the uh, with the Infinity Wars. And now, Craig, I'm more than curious if you guys have also heard this, but my understanding is that they are going to like after they wrap up the Infinity Wars, they're going to sort of go almost uh power not power it down but really go to more individual kind of stories not really all tied together it'll sort of all happen in a shared universe but not a shared storyline so to speak is that is that what you guys are seeing can we not that that is kind of the, the feel i got for it and, and kind of like i said before we got on, it was it was this is kind of meant to the bookend of that that overarching story. And I think they kind of really didn't want to dial in and, and really explore the depth of some of these characters rather than them just, you know, appearing in these films. Um, Cause some don't even have their own, their own uh, movies yet. They've just kind of appeared in, in the Avengers films. And that was that, or, or at least made um, cameos in other, other films of specific characters um, like Hawkeye comes to mind. So yeah, and, I think, you know, it'll, it'll give Black them Widow. some opportunity. <laughs> Her story would be interesting. I don't know if Disney would 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 make that one. It's it's um a little more uh, a little more mature. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the problem is they've already got a little too much spy spy stuff going on. Even though she probably, uh, I think I think Scarlett Johansson be that'd be a really good movie to make. Uh, with the advent of Wonder Woman, I think really their first marquee is going to be Miss Marvel, uh, for like female superhero. Yeah, for sure. So I I think we'll we'll probably see them kind of tone it down a bit and do a little more focused in-depth dive of different characters rather than trying to, I mean, while the, the tie-ins are cool, I, I imagine it's probably difficult to maintain and write when you're trying to pump these things out as fast as you, as you are. So it might be good to have them kind of refocus and, and maybe take a break from that for a while and actually get more into some backstory and, and individual, uh, you know, plot. Yeah. Hey, by the way, the, I, I linked you guys a, uh, a photo uh, of Josh Brolin holding up the, uh, the infinity gauntlet. Uh, it's it's over in our uh, Skype chat. For, for the record, he he is apparently definitely taking the I'm going to be cable and getting in shape thing fairly serious. Right, dude. Dude <laughs> looks like huge. he's gained about 20 pounds of muscle. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah, that's badass. So that's they a good shot. Digging up these stones as well. Like, how have, have we found all the stones yet? You know, I don't. I I was thinking about that the other day, man. I was trying to. I was talking through that with somebody, and I I'm not entirely sure they have. I don't think uh, they did they find one thing in the I Guardians think it was three I, right off the top. But. I think they've got well because there's the one that's the the tesseract was technically one of them. The yeah. mind gem thing that was in the staff was another one. There was one in Thor two that nobody remembers because it was Thor two, um, and uh, 
Guardians of the Galaxy, of course, Vision. found one um, in in that movie. So I think we've seen four of them. Well, there's and, a lot of discussion that the Eye of Agamotto in Doctor Strange is actually the time gem, which oh, would make sense yeah. if you look at the if you look at the no what no it actually, that's right that's right yeah. that was the fifth because they did actually say an Infinity Stone was actually stated in the in the the movie. Oh okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, so that that was it. So there's there's five of them, and I think there are traditionally five, and then sometimes a sixth or something. Um, but you know, obviously, and and I assume they're gonna just have to do this really fast because it doesn't look like they're building to it. Um, but they're all pretty much locked up in different places. So so conceivably, there's gonna have to be some incident where where he you know runs around stealing them all back or something. Well, we also have the Black Panther film coming out before this, I believe, as well, right? Mm, uh, when does I, this one come out? I don't know. Ooh, I'm not sure. Let me see. I'm, I'm almost positive Black Panther would be first because it's already had a full trailer released. Um, yeah, it's been coming for but a while. I'm not expecting Black Panther to make a big, uh, a big Infinity Stone related, you know. Uh, Black Panther occurrence. is February 16th. Avengers is gonna be in May 2018. So well, yeah. now, now my understanding is that the, the the Black Panther stuff that was released this week or really at the end of last week, it very implicitly said that uh, it was right around the time of Civil War, like that. Like it was, I think it's imme- immediately after Civil War is when Black Panther, like from a storyline sense, when it occurs. I gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah. So that one's that one's coming up. It, it'll be it'll be cool to see this kind of all come to a thunderhead and, and see how you know they they leave things. I think at the end of this this climax here. So it'll it'll be good to see. I'm I'm looking forward to. It. I'll definitely be seeing uh, Avengers: Infinity War when that does come out. Most definitely. So now there's been a slew of releases, or at least talking of releases for uh, live action Disney films remakes of, of previous classics. So obviously, The Jungle Book was one that came out. Um, I think earlier this year, or maybe it was last year, that did very, very well. It was a you know live action rendition of the, the classic Jungle Book film. Uh, so now Disney has kind of doubled down on this and like, okay, well that one went well, so we're gonna do you know they did Beauty and the Beast, and now there's more coming out. So there's gonna be a uh, a uh, Aladdin, and a Lion King, and a Dumbo live action film made. So uh, kind of the, the the big one of discussion right now is probably the Aladdin one, and actually it sounds like Will Smith has actually been casted to play the genie. Um, who was originally voiced by Robin Williams back in the day. Weak. So what do you guys think about that? I like it. I like it. I can see Will Smith doing that. He's going to, yeah, no, he's going to be a good genie. You, I, I think I it's literally stated last week that you cannot step into like a role or remake a thing that Robin Williams is it was in and it be better than, than it was. I didn't say it was going to be better than it was. I just said he's going to be a good genie. And it depends a lot on the take, I think. Um, if they, if it's the exact same rendition of Genie, then you know, might be a little dodgy. But Rob, but uh, Will Smith is, like, I feel, is a, is a really good, really good actor um, for the most part. There's a few recent films that were cringeworthy, but for the most part, I, I feel uh, his recent few? stuff is. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a few. I won't get Hancock. into them all. But... Hancock was the greatest Will Smith movie ever, guys. Come any, on, what are you talking about? Any movie or, uh, that he doesn't Earth do a whatever, rap whatever. in the end credits is usually bad. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys ever see that? Uh, was it called After Earth with him and his son? Yes, yeah. and it was oh, horrendous. God. I tried to stay away from Jade Smith as much as possible. Uh, I mean, it wasn't even just Will Smith and that. And that was, I was like, what the hell? Like, where? 
where did this come from? This movie. is terrible. Like, it's just your character is so unlikable and shallow and awful. I don't know why you decide on this if you're the one directing it. Like, what the hell? So, you know, that that one was bad. But I, I, I do think that that you know when he gets it right, he does get it really right. So I'm, I, I'm eager to see how how for one how they portray Genie in this in this one, uh, and then of course how Will Smith actually pulls it off. I think it'll be interesting to see. So I just I just pulled this up and. Uh, it looks like Aladdin will be played by a, a relatively unknown actor named uh, Mina Masood, and Naomi Scott is playing Jasmine. And I didn't catch this, but I guess Guy Ritchie is directing the film. Hmm. So, I, well, that bodes well. I mean, he's a pretty he's a pretty solid director, and he I mean, he does some you know he usually has a good uh, a good feel for sort of snappy action and things like that. Uh, good dialogue kind of guy, but. I, I, it definitely is going to be a different sort of movie for him. Although I guess he just did. Then he just do that King Arthur movie. Who is this? Guy Ritchie. Uh, yeah, the one with Charlie Hunnam and uh, and Jude Law. Didn't he? Wasn't he the the guy that just did that? Uh, okay. No. Yes. Yes. Hmm. So he's doing the third Sherlock Holmes film too. Okay. Oh, he's the okay. Okay. Is this from Snatch and Lock, Stock, and two, two Smoking Barrels, all that kind of stuff? No, he's the Sherlock Holmes guy. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And yes. before that, he did Snatch and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I haven't seen this movie. That's, so, that's, so. Before, that's before Bates' time. That's probably that's, that's, that's actually not. true. That that is. I think you were technically correct. <laughs> <laughs> and then he married Madonna and made some. Yeah. True he statement. married Madonna. Yeah, you didn't know that. No, I didn't. Madonna movies. That's. Unfortunate, <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. This this is you know Aladdin was one of my favorites growing up. Uh, big fan of that. So you know I, I do hope that they they can kind of update it and make it something that's not necessarily an exact copy, but is still true to the source material. So I'm I'm looking forward to that one quite a bit. Um, and then of course, like I said, Lion King and Dumbo are coming out. Lion King is also a big favorite of mine. Uh, that one will obviously be basically entirely CGI or CGI animals on top of actual, you know, live action scenery. But, you know, overall, they've done really good work. I mean, obviously, if you saw Jungle Book, the, the work they did with the animals was fantastic. Just incredibly, incredibly well done CGI. So, you know, I think that this one will also be pulled off and be and be really good. And they've got uh, James Earl Jones doing Mufasa, and that's oh, really cool. the most important part. So, so is, is the idea they're trying to, like, basically go back and just remake most of their original animated properties from like the 40s and the 50s then? That's what it sounds yes. like because yeah, according to this, this article the Lion King is quote practically shot for shot. Oh wait, that's the opening. Never mind. There's well, yeah, you have to for the opening. That's yeah. that's iconic. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. I, I mean, it, that I guess if you're looking to reintroduce that to a whole new to kind of you know definitely a new generation that's it's a certainly a good way to do it um, and they have a lot of properties to work with uh any like any number of things i mean i even remember the old uh the old robin hood uh the old robin hood cartoon from disney where was, you know robin Hood was the fox and then you had basically blue the bear was little john and you know so it's basically all the jungle book characters but they just kept putting them in different uh like different you know, kind of open source stories and stuff like that. It's actually pretty good. That was a series. I've only ever seen the movie. No, it, well, it wasn't a series. So what what they did is, if you look at a lot of their movies, they basically kept recycling these same anim, uh, like anthropomorphic oh. animals. So like Baloo the bear in Jungle Book, 
the same voice in Bear was Little John. Oh, okay. and and so forth and so on, and it kept going by. Like uh, one of the one of the lions uh, in Jungle Book also ended up. What you know, his literally, it's like the same actor would actor and animated figure would play. Um, you know, like King John, that kind of stuff. So it's it it could conceivably be done pretty well because a lot of those were actually quite fun is and had a you know pretty good stable of voice actors and stuff like that. And that was all the way back to like uh, like Brer Rabbit and Brer Fox and all that kind of stuff. So there's a ton of material they could work with if they wanted to. I'm actually kind of curious. I assume that means they're going to go do like a like a full blown Snow White Seven Dwarfs kind of thing at some point too, which will could be interesting. And actually, on that point uh, that you were making, Jay, about them reusing characters, there was also an animated cartoon that was part of the Disney Afternoon when I was a kid called Tailspin. And they oh, that's what I was trying to think of. I was just yep. asking my wife, Tailspin. Yeah, you had Baloo was this, was this pilot, and Shere Khan was kind of this evil, yeah. you know, uh, CEO of, of a local trading company. And it was, yeah, they, they, that, was, that was some pretty cool stuff that they just did a lot of crossovers back then. And you guys are old as fuck. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> I'm trying to think if uh, oh, and the other the other cross with it is that they had um, uh, Launchpad McQuack was part of the Darkwing Duck series and yeah, he was also are, reused. They're, yeah, they're in... bringing that back too. You know that they're what? they're bringing they're bringing back the Scrooge McDuck stuff. Oh, oh. that that's exciting. Like I remember, like seriously, like as a, as a kid, shut up, bait. Um, there was a Disney <laughs> Afternoon block, and it was basically all of these cartoons, and they just just one after the other, and these ongoing series. And it was and they they had the crossover between them, which is really cool because you'd watch one and you see the same character, and then you know a couple shows later. Um, and that was that was like my after school routine as I'd come home and I'd watch the Disney Afternoon, you know, block, and it was it was it was great. That's pretty good stuff. That is actually pretty good. DuckTales, that was the name of it. Duck, DuckTales, and then there was, yep. yeah, Tailspin, and then there was yep. uh, Darkwing Duck, and they had lots of ducks. All kind of little spinoff guys. But yeah, apparently they're, it looks like they're trying to bring that back. And let me let me read this correct. Let's see. It sounds like in the new DuckTales, get this, Scrooge McDuck will be played by Scottish actor David Tennant of Doctor Who fame. Really? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Which is absolutely like I'm a huge David Tennant fan. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. That's that's I didn't know that. I'll look more into that because I, I I would actually probably watch that stuff because you know it would it bring back good memories of, of a lot of those shows. Oh hey, uh, total non sequitur here, but um, just noting the David Tennant name. You guys are tracking. They're announcing the new Doctor Who tomorrow, right? I thought they had the new guy for the next thirty years. Mm-mm. Nope, they change them out pretty routinely, and it's uh, uh, Peter Capaldi's out, and which is normal. It's not like he's being fired. And then tomorrow, after Wimbledon, they will announce who the new Doctor is. I actually haven't seen the the uh, finale yet for this last season. I I watched everything up till the finale, and I I, I, I maybe I'll watch that tonight so that I I'm I'm prepared mentally. I we'll see. Ka- I thought Capaldi. How long has he been in? He's had a pretty long run. I, he's, I think I, he's I only been in there further and further behind. I think it's maybe three years, only maybe two or three. Uh, really? uh, he's a little bit longer than that. Let's find out. Yeah, we're all googling right now. Yeah, this I was, saying, I was radio, like, what? <laughs> isn't he just like the new guy? Oh wait, yeah, no, he's yeah. That's oh. um, I'm a, quite a fair way behind. <laughs> Some, almost ten years. Yeah, he's, he's three years. I was I was right. No, wait a minute. Hold on. Where are you looking at, man? He was Capaldi was there for seasons eight, nine, 
and ten. But we that's were, more than three calendar years. I was gonna say, but like IMDb showed three eight through twenty seventeen. Yes. It's it's no, it's it's twenty fourteen through twenty seventeen. You're forgetting about Matt Smith. You forgot yeah, we all you forgot yeah. a whole other doctor in there. Now no, that guy I, has no eyebrows. Matt the Smith, earliest I'm seeing is two thousand and eight. Matt Smith was awful, but Matt Smith was there for four years. There was like because you had Eccleston was there for for one season. Tennant was there for like three seasons, and then like a big pile of of extra specials. They did like a year of specials almost okay, for him. I, I, I have and that the was Tennant in front of me, and then I'm. I am also looking at the timeline that Matt and Smith David was there, was for, there for five years. Yeah. Matt Smith was there for three. And Peter Capaldi was there from 2014 on. So for by three the time, years. No, but by the time they finish, it will be it will be four. I'll bet you. No, because they just finished the season and the the next thing is the Christmas special, which will air before the next year. For sure. I'm going on fiscal years, not calendar year. Oh my god. That's just fucking nerds. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like all all that being said, it, it is, you know, it, it is about it it seems like Capaldi has been the doctor for a while, but he uh but it will be interesting to see who the next one is. I, I know there was a big clamoring for uh maybe a female doctor or changing it up a little bit, but I, I don't know. I it I suspect they'll play it pretty conservative and you'll get another like white British dude. Who's old? Calling it's gonna be some old guy. You know, Watch they it. they did a good job by uh, by pulling in David Tennant and Matt Smith, like kind of younger versions. That was actually pretty smart on their on their part. Be old. I don't know. They usually try to go oppo. What they've been doing, like since they've kind of brought the series back with Eccleston, they try to go very different from you know at least in terms of personality or age or like how the characters played from the last one. Uh, so you've got the the old old sort of grumpy doctor. With Capaldi, it will be interesting to see if they try some, you know, what they try. I would actually like to see him try to do something different. I am still, to this day, absolutely like hurt in my heart. Like uh, it was one of those beautiful April Fools, uh, April Fools posters, it, very professionally done. Bruce Campbell sent it out, and it had, uh, you know, finally the Doctor is coming back, is coming to America, and it had a picture of uh, Bruce Campbell in a, in a like a blue shark skin suit coming out of a TARDIS, I was like, yes, yes. And then it, it, you get the, you know, it dawns on me about five hours later is like, wait, it's, it's April fools. God damn it. Every time. Well, you know, I, I, I don't think they'll ever cast someone that far from being British, <laughs> but it would be bomber if they would, <laughs> at least for like a special, one of the Christmas specials or something. That'd be pretty cool. Alrighty, so that's pretty good stuff. Um, let's get back to some of the the D twenty three stuff. A couple of kind of rapid fire stuff going on here. So, Incredibles two got a trailer. We knew this one was coming for quite a while. Um, it's probably going to focus more on Elastigirl, uh, and I, I kind of expected to be a bit of a time skip between them, but apparently it's meant to follow up the first movie pretty much right on the point. Maybe not like the exact moment of the end of the first film, but it's meant to happen, you know, fairly shortly after the end of the first film. So this is, that, this is the one I'm really excited about. Um, Incredibles too. Yeah. Yes. This is the, the Incredibles stands is my favorite Pixar movie. Um, really? And, yes. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. And uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to this again. I can't watch this trailer yet, which is irritating, but but yeah, so that one's coming out actually June uh, 20, 2019. So unfortunately, it's all 
you gotta wait a while longer. But- is there is there a, a you have both this and Toy Story Four is June twenty nineteen. Pixar really releasing them both in the same month? Uh, or did you no. typo? I, I bet, could typo. I bet, I bet you. I bet you typo. That doesn't make any sense to me. So it looks like Incredibles two is June fifteenth of twenty eighteen. I am so sorry. So it's coming out next year. Both in June though. So yeah, I stand corrected. Uh, Toy Story four is June twenty nineteenth. Incredibles is June twenty eighteen. So it's they're a year apart. That's better. I can live with that. I was gonna say, I'm like, that seems weird. I thought it was coming up closer than that. So yeah, I'm sorry. I do apologize. It's coming out in June 2018 for Incredibles 2. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one too. That was that was one that I'm surprised they hadn't done a sequel for sooner because it did so well for the first one. But you know, at least it's happening now. My my understanding is um, that Pixar kind of assign assumes that the the creator of a movie, like the um, director, is like that's the, kind of theirs. And generally will not like let someone else make a sequel to it. So I guess the reason there hasn't been a sequel is because Brad Bird actually just wasn't didn't want to make a sequel yet. Gotcha. And so then he decided to. I'm very surprised that a studio functions that way because studios like money. But um, it's you know they 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 they're making enough stuff though that they're busy enough. It doesn't matter. So you know, um, another one coming out, of course, is Toy Story Four. Uh, that is getting a new director. Um, it's Josh Cooley. He was originally the co-director, but the main director is stepping down, and he's going to be taking on the, the the role of doing it himself. So um, it's going to be his first solo film. But you know, it, I think that you know the Toy Story franchise has done quite well. Three was obviously pretty pretty solid, really emotional. Um, and so that one's coming out in June 2019, not 18. So that's that's that one's quite a ways off. There is also another one they're working on, which is a planes-like movie. It's not title, but uh, the trailer apparently showed two military-style jets uh, racing each other and kind of flying up into space and then coming back down to Earth. Uh, it's not. It's meant to kind of take place in the planes and cars universe. If you've seen either of those films, you you probably kind of get the gist of it. Uh, it's meant to have kind of a bit of a darker tone. Um, it's like I said, they're military-style jets, so it could be interesting to see what direction they go with that one. But uh, there's no title for that one. But apparently, it's got a release date of April 2019. How do you make a movie with planes with jig? Big fucking gigantic eyes on their on the front of the thing. Have, have you have you not seen? The, oh, I well, eh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. well, I, so, even well, yeah, planes too kind of had. Yeah, they, they don't shoot planes. anyone. It's okay. They don't they don't hurt people. They just shoot other planes. Good military planes. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be a comedy. All right. Um, this is one I'm looking forward to. Wreck It Ralph two. The subtitle is Ralph breaks I'm the gonna internet. Wreck it. I'm going to wreck it. Uh, the theme is that he basically goes to the internet, which is hilarious coming out of the safe place of a, you know, arcade game and going to what we know as the internet, which is terrifying. Um, so yeah, this, this one looks pretty fun. Uh, apparently the, one of the, the supporting characters is a character named yes, Y E S S S. Uh, she's kind of meant to be like the spiritual embodiment of social websites like Tumblr and Buzzfeed. So I can imagine that people who are internet savvy will probably have a lot of fun, you know, picking up all the references and then the people who are not internet savvy, which will probably more relate to the Rolf character can have everyone else explain to them, you know, throughout the film, what all of this means. They could be equally confused. You should, you should see me, see me try to explain Facebook to my father. It's, 
painful. Um, so this might be kind of like that. Uh, and this one's actually coming out, uh, well, not, not too soon, November 2018. But, you know, it's it's in the works. Um, and like I said, for people who are, you know, gamers or familiar with pretty much internet, internet culture at all, it's going to be pretty fun. So that should, be, that should be a good one. Yeah, I was quite surprised how enjoyable that first movie was. The first movie was really enjoyable. I, I didn't even see it at first. I was like, oh, it looks cute. I'll get around to it. And then I, when I actually finally got around to it, I was like, oh, wow. That was <laughs> that was really good. Like, yeah. I've been missing out. So, yeah, that was a fun one. It's a, it's a good good franchise. I'm glad that they're kind of continuing with it rather than making it just a one-off. This is really good at that, you know, making these movies where it's like, eh, yeah, I get, I'll, I'll see that at some point. And then, you know, when you do see it, like you said, Pokey, it's like, why did I wait to see this? Right. But there's also so many that come out that are, you know, you get hyped uh-huh. and you're like, eh. so you get kind of, it's like games, you know, I get paranoid and I'm just, I'm not always jumping on, you know, got to go see it opening weekend because, you know, I, it's, I don't want to take the time to do it and then, you know, be disappointed. So, but you know, <laughs> they, 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 they do have some good ones. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, let me see. Another Pixar film is coming out. Um, again, no title, not even really concrete details. They described it as the Flintstones meets Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and so what was kind of was kind of described is that it's a suburban fantasy and that it's people probably in the modern time, they, they mentioned streetlights and water towers. So what you might expect is you know, modern se- a modern setting. But as if there were unicorns and dragons and that sort of thing. So think of like your traditional fantasy setting you know, middle ages, you know, people running around on horses and fighting dragons and stuff, then fast forward to, you know, post two thousands and how people would deal with, you know, the fact that, Hey, there's dragons and unicorns, you know, running around. So that one should be, should be pretty, pretty interesting to get some details on it. It is being directed by the same guy who did monsters university, which was um, also pretty funny. So, you know, it's, it, it's probably gonna be a similar style of style of, you know, animation, humor, that sort of thing. Um, it should be cool to kind of see how they take this one. What was the name of that one? No title yet. They're, they're kind of being vague about it. Not even a release date on this one. So it's, it's probably hmm. quite a ways off. Okay. Hey, Pokey, are you, you're familiar with uh, full metal alchemist, right? I am familiar. Aren't they doing a live action of that? Mm, yeah, they are. Um, it, the trailers I've seen look, look better than your typical, uh, Typical anime adaptation fair, so maybe um, we'll have to see. I'm keeping my eye on that one. Okay, is it is it like made in the U.S. or is it a Japanese? It's it, it's it's Japanese, but like I said, the production quality seems a bit higher than your typical Japanese uh, live action adaptation. So it, it might look a bit more like an, an American film. Are you are you gonna watch Death Note? <sighs> I, I was looking right. at that one again. We talked about it last week. Um, I kind of thought about it some more and if i get my mind away from the idea that it's if i get if i get my mind in the right mindset that it's not meant to be a recreation it's kind of meant to be like a reimagining of the base concept but a different story i'll probably be able to to stomach it more but looking at the trailer compared to the actual source material i was like oh god why but <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll probably watch it um i'm trying to keep an open mind about it kind of like ghost in the shell right like Forget that the source material existed and just try to enjoy this for what it is. Um, so we'll we'll see on that one. But yeah, I, I have to keep my eye on that one as well. Any more okay. on that uh, that Cowboy Bebop live action gig that they're doing? Are and there more details on that? I, I didn't. I don't know. I was asking you because just keep yeah, the ball rolling. I, yeah, no, I, I that one that one's dangerous because I really like that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see on that one. I'll, I'll look that up later and see if there's more details on that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's also one to keep your eye on because that's a, that's a really good original. Yeah. I'm doing the Google food now. So in the meantime, a uh, couple more things that Disney and Pixar are working on. Uh, there's Coco, which is actually coming out uh, pretty quick here. It's kind of a Day of the Dead-themed animated flick. That's November 22nd, 2017. Uh, apparently there's a teaser for Frozen 2. I mean, if you're at all familiar with the Disneyscape, Frozen was obviously kind of an out-of-nowhere phenomenon that just took off worldwide. Uh, so a sequel was pretty much guaranteed from the from back that point on that's coming out in november 2019 so that's quite a ways off uh and there also was and there actually is a video for this one um it's a teaser for mary poppins returns which the title implies that it's a sequel i guess to the original mary poppins uh the teaser is very it's basically a title block and shows off the uh the actress who is going to be uh where to go oh crap hey all i want to know is mary poppins blue and have a red fin Pretty much, and it's done by uh, Emily Blunt is going to be playing Mary Poppins. So that's unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> well, so you know, uh, take that as what you will. But like I said, there's a few screenshots out there. We'll get those in the link in the uh, description of the of the podcast here. But there is, like I said, like a 15 second trailer where it, she's got you know the umbrella, and then she lifts the umbrella up, and you see who it is that you know Mary Poppins returns. It pops up on the screen. I'm sure, Mary Poppins will. That's coming actually out Christmas of 2018. So that's, you know, again, about a year and a half away. What were you saying, babe? That was Jordy. Oh, I'm sorry. Jordy, what were you saying? I was just saying, I'm sure Mary Poppins would love it. It's, it's, I'm curious how the story's going to go. Because like I said, it implies that it's a sequel and not a remake. Um, but obviously, it's not the same person, so... Is there a, is there a hmm. wild Mary Poppins fan base out there? Has to be. You never know. There is in I'm... my house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like... It was, you know, it was a long time ago. It was fine, but like a fan base? Yeah, they're all dead. It's okay. Probably not, which is why they're making the movie. <laughs> Did you guys ever see uh, Saving Mr. Banks? Nope. Is that that one with the penguin? No. <laughs> was it was the... it, it was basically meant to be kind of the the uh, the true story of behind the person um, who wrote the original Mary Poppins book. Oh, and yeah. and how um, the character was actually based off of someone from her past uh, that inspired the whole thing. And so when they were making the film, she was extremely critical because they brought her in to to consult for the making of the film. Um, and so it, it, the movie consists of basically her in this flashback remembering her past and, and where all of this originated from and then going to the studio and not being cooperative because Disney of course wants to Disneyify everything and didn't do it the way she wanted. Um, it's actually, it was actually pretty, pretty interesting film to actually find out that, you know, this character was actually based off of a real person and uh, not just, you know, made up and it, and it kind of shows, you know, um, a different side to Walt Disney. Um, he was kind of manipulative. He knew how to get what he wanted, and they, they kind of play that up a bit. But uh, Tom Hanks plays Disney in the film, and it's 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 he's actually does a fantastic job. So if you do like Mary Poppins and you haven't seen this one, that is definitely one worth going and checking out. The uh, the if I remember right, that was actually touted as a is one of those kind of classic critically acclaimed yet made no money at the box office movies. If I remember right, it, it did get very good really? reviews. Yeah. Well, I think because the title doesn't really tell you at all what it's about. You know, like Mr. Banks is um, her father, which is, you know, it's it's critical for the story. But, you know, if you just 
saw the title, you wouldn't think, oh, that's Mary Poppins. You know, even the the title card or the the movie poster, it kind of implies it, but you know, if you're not really paying attention, it's 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 difficult to say. So I I can imagine it didn't do fantastic, but I, I did actually like the film. I thought it was quite good. The uh, the other one that I was looking at is I, the Tick has a new trailer out, which uh, I I was a fan of the original Tick when uh, Patrick Warburton was uh, was playing him, but they got Peter Serafinowicz playing him, so that it should be interesting. I mean, if if nothing else, Far Cry from Mary Poppins, but I was just looking for a segue. <laughs> there's a there's a trailer for that now. Yeah, there is. Fuck yes, when's that dropping on Amazon now? Uh, uh, I want to say August, end of August. Yes. I'm gonna go back and watch that that teaser episode. I'm telling you, the ones with Patrick Warburton though were absolutely hilarious. Like, like you have to go a long way to beat to beat those. The tick now. Although I will say this, like um, the the thing I am most looking forward to, at least on any sort of viewing viewing medium for the next like two or three months, is uh, uh, season three of Rick and Morty. Oh, dude. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's another show where I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. And I saw it. I'm like, oh, this is, this, this is freaking great. Like, this that, is way better than I thought it would be. That, that is one of those shows that when you, when you hear about it and you, th- you think for about five minutes, it's like some mindless drivel that's on, like, yeah. you know, Nick, Nick for kids or <laughs> you know, shit that Bait watches. And, it, and then you realize if you watch an entire, an entire episode, you'll be like, wait, what did I just – what did I just see? And then you like rewind it. And you'll watch it again, and you'll be like, "Oh, this yeah, is they're, genius." They're better the second time, aren't they? <laughs> well, it remind in a weird way. It's almost like a, like I remember uh, when a Tarantino when people didn't understand what a Tarantino movie was because you you know like the first time you ever see something like uh, Pulp Fiction, you've probably never seen a movie like that, and then you go back and watch it like two or three times, and you catch all of these different references and different connections in the movie. That's very much how Rick and Morty is. Apparently the, the guy who does the voice acting for Rick, he, the reason he sounds drunk is because he actually does get drunk for all the recording sessions um, to varying That's, degrees. That is commitment. So, so yeah, he, he's sitting there and he's like reaching for the glass. Like, okay, you actually have to be able to speak. Like you can't just get totally wasted. He's just pounding down the scotch. Like, you know, it's, that that's pretty good stuff. No, I, I, I freaking love Rick and Morty. So everyone better, better enjoy this shit while it lasts and while he's around. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, okay, we have one more thing. Um, so I know this is actually like 50 years before Bait was born, um, but has anyone here read the book A Wrinkle in Time? Yes. Okay, so I have, Jay has, you have as well, right, Right, Zell? I have what? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> A Wrinkle in Time, you've read the book, right? I had to have because my distinct recall of A Wrinkle in Time is that book every elementary school uh, kid is forced to read. So... I'm pretty sure I read it, but it was so long ago that I don't remember it. What about you, Jordy? Have you read the book? No, never heard of it. Okay. Bates, though, is too young. He's too young to have read the book. I saw the 2003 direct-to-DVD movie. Okay, yeah, that that, that doesn't count. It doesn't doesn't, count. That's that's like sci-fi original movie quality there. (laughs) No. Anyways, 
they're making a real movie for a wrinkle in time um and so it's based off the original book by uh madeline lingle which was published in 1963 so that's actually a pretty old book it's it's funny because we we moved um recently and so i was moving some of my books from my my bookshelf and i actually found my original copy of uh, a wrinkle in time just like three days ago so i had my this wife's just looking like, at oh, me yeah. saying yes we i read it in primary school everyone did you like it must have just been me <laughs> <laughs> it had it had lots of stuff regarding space time and you know probably a bit above most people when they read it but uh you know it was it was it was good for what i remember but again it was a long time ago so i don't remember the exact details but they are making a movie um oprah's in it apparently uh and it looks decent from from the trailer i mean it, it looks it, for what what few scenes i remember from the actual book um because it was so long ago it looks like that they've, they've kind of hit on some of those from in the trailer so this one this one should be interesting. Um, obviously, they're they're putting quite a bit of money into it since it's got some pretty big names in the fl- in the film. But uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to see if they can actually do a good job at uh, kind of modernizing this and making it a little more consumable for for today's today's day and age. We'll give that debate review when it comes out. They'll be like, I don't even know what a tesseract is. I'm just forty whatever. It sucked. Is what your review will be. <laughs> But yeah, so that one that one's coming out. Um, I'm trying to see if it's got a release date. It does. It's that's not right. No, oh, oh, March 9th, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, so that's actually coming up. Uh, not not too far. A little little less than a year. So, you know, they've obviously got quite a bit of a lineup uh, of these films coming out. Like I said, just tons of stuff. Hopefully, these trailers start kind of popping up, and we can kind of get some some proper links and, and kind of dig into some of the footage. But uh, you know, tons of stuff slated for the next two years. I think we'll we'll have plenty of stuff to uh, keep our keep our uh, our eyes on. So moving along to some gaming news. Uh, if you are a player of Eve Online, or even if you played Dust Five One Four, this might uh, be of some interest to you. So a dev blog recently came out for Eve Online uh, regarding the Captain's Quarters. Now, if you're not familiar with the Captain's Quarters, you might be part of the ninety to ninety-seven percent of the Eve Online community. Um, but so you've got two options when you dock your ship in EVE Online. You can either look at the ship in the hangar and spin your ship around. That's what most people do. Or there is something called the Captain's Quarters, which is kind of a little room that's sticking off the side of the hangar where your character that you create at the beginning of the game can walk around. They can look at the TV screens there, sit on the couch. Um, you basically have access to a lot of the station systems that you normally access through a menu. But in this case, you can walk around to you know, different consoles in the room and, and, and play around with it. And this was actually very similar to uh, Dust 514 and the Mercenary Quarters. They were the exact same uh, places. They, they looked a little bit different. They had some different stuff in them, but it, it looked the same. So if you're familiar with either of those, that's what's going on. Now, what this devlog is detailing is that apparently uh, only 3% of the community actually even uses them. And so they have decided to remove them from the game entirely. The reason being that uh, the code they use for it came out with the Incarna expansion, which is pretty, pretty old, um, several years old now. And that if they ever wanted to further expand the whole walking in stations idea, they would have to rip it out entirely and redo it anyways. And because it was causing development load on the developers to keep updating the captain's quarters with every update and it was only affecting effectively three percent of the population in eve uh that they decided it'd be better to drop the feature entirely for the time being at least and kind of cut back on some of that cost so i know that zell is very opinionated from this and he's been probably trying to interrupt me the whole time because walking in stations is his 
his his child that he always wanted out of Eve. So Zell, I'll let you start off with your thoughts on this. Just just rest in peace, man. That's just just poor Eve. Um, I mean, the walking in stations was you know the big part of Eve's attempt to to kind of expand beyond um, being solely a spreadsheets game, and uh, it it was a dismal failure. And uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna. I, it, it's it does make sense that you know carbon graphics whatever which I think is what powers the the uh, um, captain's quarters in Eve um, and then stuff was just kind of converted to Unreal for Dust um, yeah it's a legacy code base they there was I you know back when I got into Eve it was going to be the new thing that would replace everything and control you know over you know it was like Eve 2.0 almost in terms of how much it was supposed to overwrite everything. And, uh, you know, it, it obviously didn't. Um, but, uh, you know, now there's Star Citizen for me to hope for and have my hopes dashed five or six years down the road. Ten. Yeah, I mean, I understand the reasoning that if no one's using a feature and it's still costing you a fair amount of money to keep it updated and working to remove it. Well, I yeah, I mean, the, you know, it, it makes sense at this point, given the fact that they have zero investment or commitment in actually expanding and, and growing this as a thing so you know especially if that's the thing that's stopping you from making the thing better well so. i mean it, it, I'm, no i mean hypothetically you'd replace it with the newer version um but there's no plans whatsoever to do that as far as i know and and that's just uh you know the the unfortunate side effect of a lot of complaints that of people who didn't want to embrace any sort of change well and, and i'm not super familiar with the development of Eve right now, but I, I think they're still pretty focused and tied into the whole kind of converting all structures over to being player owned um, with like the Citadel expansion, that sort of thing. So that's all, they, that's all that, well newer than this. So, well, well no, no. And my, my point being is that they're, they're going to stay focused on that for the time being, which is a, a rather large undertaking. I'll say, you know, that's, that's a big transition you have to make. And it's, it's difficult to take, you know, 10 years of, of it being one way of a very core system and in, in converting it over. So like I said, they're, they're going to be focused on that for a while. If they ever move to social spaces, that sort of thing, I, I don't know if it'll ever actually happen. It's not going to happen anytime soon because their focus is elsewhere. Um, but, you know, when they tried to do this the first time, it, it did it literally blew up in their faces and it didn't go well for, for CCP. So... I think they're going to be very cautious approaching anything like that, especially since it'll it'll likely be a fairly hefty development investment to to make something like that happen. So, you know, we'll we'll see. But you know, with CCP's track record, and, and you know, oh, we'll just get to it later for core features like a social system like that. Eh, you know, we'll we'll see. I don't think it'll it'll happen anytime soon, at the very least. No, I think uh, the so last... you can't even really look at your avatar anymore. Once you made it, that's well, I mean, they'll your, have the portrait. Yeah, have that preview menu like they used to have. Oh yeah. Uh, now the 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 weird part about that though, and you raise a good point that you've got this avatar, and I wouldn't say a large part, but part of their monetization scheme is, hey, you buy you know outfits and shit for your avatar, which space is Barbies, space Barbies, mm. right? And so if it's like you know gloves and jackets and shirts and shit fine but you're selling shoes I'm like you're never you're literally never going to see that unless you zoom your character portrait in on your character's foot and set that as your <laughs> default image um so th that does raise the interesting question of well if they're going to push this cosmetics um 
monetization scheme, they've just reduced a, a fairly significant portion of, of what makes that useful to a player. So, you know, either they'll probably dial that back or it'll encourage them to make more reasons to see your character or, or well, places mean, to see your character. They'll keep it they'll keep it there for, you know, avatar creation purposes, you know, for the purposes of creating a little picture that appears in your profile. But I mean, they've already really transitioned from a focus on selling clothes to a focus on selling ship skins. Yeah. Skins, and- skins, and skins. I am so sick of CCP making fucking skins. So s- never, it's the whole business now, though. That's I've what got skins coming game- out my nose, out my ears, out my asshole. They're coming everywhere. It's annoying. Any game that's, you see is oh sells God. skins. Every single game that comes out now sells freaking cosmetic skins it's just a effective a fact of life i know it's just so lazy and i think of the buddy of mine and i were talking about you know for for the new the new project discovery which is mildly infuriating uh as a whole uh you know the the big reward uh for your opening your boxes is just skins it's like they didn't even take the they didn't even put any effort into it I think Buddy of mine said that, you know, it felt half-assed that with all the events, the only thing CCP is doing is making a goddamn skin. But yeah, man, buy Orem today. <laughs> or I guess it's, it's Plex now, right? They can uh, run the Orem system to Plex. New, new Plex. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's... It's unfortunate because I, I actually use the Captain's Crew. I would be I, if I play, still played Eve. I probably would have been one of the three percent because I, I did kind of like you know walking around like an idiot. You know, it was yeah. the whole thing was meaningless. It, it 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 offered no functional advantage whatsoever, other than you got to see your your space Barbie you know walk around. But it was more interesting to me than than spinning a ship around in circles. So you know, to each his own. But you know, this it wasn't even a super popular feature when it came out. I think it was roughly around ten percent, and then it dropped. It's now since dropped down to three percent. So it's it's a, a very small portion of the community, and I can't really blame them for their their choice to, to take this feature out, even if it does kind of uh, potentially put the, the the kibosh on on later development in this sort of you know thread of thought. So. That's unfortunate. And, and there are better things that they can do, you know, with this freed up development. Uh, I assume space and times that they're going to have. Yeah, they uh, can make more skins and yeah. more skins. <laughs> shut the fuck they, up. They can have skin coming out of all of his orifices. <laughs> you shut the fuck up. Um, but, you know, like you were saying There's earlier. There's a show Pokey, title. The, <laughs> <laughs> like you were saying earlier, though, I think uh, the rumor mill has it to where. Um, in the winter, and you take this with a grain of salt, the winter is when they're supposed to start phasing out all the POSs and trying to move everybody towards uh, the Citadels. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll be interesting to see how they, they go with that. But, uh, you know, this is obviously their, their main project right now, but I'll be curious to see where they go next after that. Um, you know, the the ridiculous optimist would, would hope that, you know, this would be some social tie-in with, with Nova, but that's not going to ever happen, so I'm not going to go there. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so let's move along to another space-based game. So uh, Destiny beta is coming up uh, pretty soon here in the next week or so. Um, so we're not going to get too deep into that, but there were a few other pieces of information that I, I found interesting and thought I might mention. Uh, they 
released some details regarding PvP. Um, so I, last week I mentioned that they uh, in the beta there's going to be two game modes in PvP that you could try. One was kind of a uh, attack and defense style, another one was control. And control is a very classic game mode, but they said they were going to change things up a bit. Well, they have now since released uh, what they are changing up. So uh minor stuff but like so uh points you capture um before if you had multiple people standing in the point uh, you would capture faster that's going away it no longer matters how many people are in the point it just captures at a set speed uh if a team holds all three points uh they get a bonus points for for all the kills they get so it kind of helps accelerate their their point gain if they you know have everything um points a and c start off captured by each respective team so you know Team one gets point A, team B, you know, two gets point C, and then team and then B will be neutral beginning the match, um, which is probably fine. I mean, everyone ran for the B objective anyways, and you usually had one person that had to go and sit at the, the home objective and cap it because you know you needed the points, but it was no one was coming. It was it was just kind of weird. Um, uh, point capture used to be a two-step process where you'd stand the you'd stand an enemy point and it would go from you know red to neutral and neutral is kind of this no one owned it no one got points for it and then it would you know transfer over to blue uh, that middle step's been removed now you just capture just flips from red to blue um, just kind of speeds things up a bit uh, mercy rule this is something that existed in certain game modes in, in the crucible before basically if one team gets a massive point advantage over the other it just ends the match rather than having the losing team get their teeth kicked in too fast. Uh, this probably kind of pairs a bit with the holding three points gives you bonus points. It's like if you've got all the points and you're holding them, uh, chances are you're you're kind of stopping the shit out of the other team. So it's going to get you to that mercy point faster. Uh, they said that they're kind of working on bouncing that out, but they're going to adjust that. Uh, watching kind of the beta and how when do these mercy points get triggered and is it too soon you know to tell that sort of thing so uh you might expect some some oddities in the beta when you do give that a shot the, if you fall behind the match might just end uh, but that is something they're kind of working to adjust uh, uh Matt, is the beta coming out on multiple consoles is it? Yes, yes beta is coming out on xbox one ps4 and pc um Those pc is awesome going to be delayed though because the pc launch is much later so i don't think the beta for that is coming out immediately i'm not sure on that august 2017 for pc there you go ps4 is the 18th through the 20th if you pre-ordered the game uh for the ps4 the xbox is the 19th and the 20th and then the open beta is the 21st through the 23rd so this weekend next week you will all be playing destiny too probably yeah um now one one this this is kind of the, the weird one for me. So in Destiny, uh, fire teams, which is the PVE content, was always teams of three. Uh, raids were teams of six, and the PVP was either a team of three or a team of six, depending on what kind of game mode you were using. Uh, there were some special ones where it was like doubles, uh, but for the most part, your average Crucible match of PVP was six people, uh, six versus six. It's now being reduced to four versus four. Um, which I feel is kind of weird. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I don't I don't know why. They're like, oh, well, it makes the game tighter. I'm like, it makes it so if I've got one bad guy on my team, it's now a quarter of my team is sucking rather than, you know, whatever percentage that works out the other way. Uh, smaller game modes doesn't seem like an upgrade between a sequel and the original. You, you, know? do, have, you do have 50% less sucky people with you, though, on average. <sighs> you, uh, I just I, I I like the option for like a because like um Trials of Osiris I think it was called 
it's been a while. That was the 3v3. That was meant to be kind of the higher competitive end where it's less people, therefore everyone's individual contribution was more important. But now you got this weird 4v4, so I'm like, uh, it's kind of almost the same thing. Um, it's also just weird from a design perspective. You've got, before it was like, you know, fire teams of three and you fit six in the PvP match. So it's like it's like two full fire teams. Now it's one and a third. I, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not a fan of it. I don't understand why that was a design choice um it's just it's weird yeah no i i tend to agree with you on that one i i I kind of liked the i liked the 6v6 better there was a little bit better team dynamics in it and uh and then when you balanced it when you wanted to move up to something more competitive trials of osiris was designed to be i think a a good jump in terms of uh you know the quality of gameplay and then there was a requisite jump in terms of the size of the team, you know, or elite world jump rather a, a declination than the size of the team. So it actually kind of was that was there was some really tight fights. Trials of, Trials of Osiris were really oh tight. yeah yeah, and I sure. enjoyed that. But I also know that if you're playing four v four in a game that's like as run and gun as uh, you know as this can be, it's uh, you, you better be on point or you're not going to be winning much. And, and that's, that's, that is kind of the shame. You could carry a little bit more if you were a, if you're playing in a six V six, four V four, you're definitely sweating at every match. I think. Yeah, for sure. I'm it's again, it's just, it's a weird choice. Um, I don't really like it. It's, it's actually quite a big, of a big disappointment for me. Um, I, I have my mixed feelings about Crucible, but this certainly isn't going to improve my opinion. So uh, that is something to consider. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it actually plays in the beta. I'm, I'm, the maps are meant to be a bit smaller, I think, um, which so it's just makes a sense. multiplayer beta. I'm assuming no, like just uh, for for the for the beta, you will also have access to the first mission. Um, some rumor says that it's actually the first two missions. Uh, they might kind of pull the thing like they did with uh, Destiny One beta, where it was. Uh, for the first, you know, like first three days, it's yeah. For the first three days, it's like you get the first mission, but in the last day, we'll unlock the second mission if you're still playing, kind of as a stress test. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but the only confirmed thing is the first mission, uh, the first strike, and then the PvP. You've got the control mode, and uh, the other mode. I, the, the name escapes me, but it's it's a new it's a new mode that wasn't in Destiny One. So they're sticking with the same uh, design choice of the levels being just sort of. Uh... Yeah, non, so not linear. You know what I mean. Um, it's a little unclear. Uh, I know there's lots of new areas, but I imagine just from they haven't really said explicitly, but I imagine from what they're they're discussing, it's kind of a still it's kind of an open world ish thing, and then there's little missions that branch off from different locations in that that area. So um, expect yeah. probably a similar structure, uh, probably with some twists to it. Cool. Now. Another thing, Destiny 2, so one of the biggest complaints of the original game was that it was very short, and for a game that touted it was going to have this massive interconnected story, it was very, very, very short. Um, the, 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 the plot was kind of convoluted, um, a lot of it was kind of hidden behind these grimoire cards, which were not really an enjoyable mechanic for storytelling, and it was just a big complaint was that there wasn't enough story involved. And that, that got rectified a little bit later. Um, the Taking King expansion, you could tell they were really trying to kind of find their place and what they wanted to do with storytelling, and they, yeah. it was a marked improvement. So. Paid expansions, too, by the way. <laughs> like... Right, right. So, But but that was that was better. They, they, were, they were going in the right direction with it. So a comment that a developer made um, just recently is that uh, he, he said, I hope that people complain about how much story we have. Um, trying to imply that there is 
so much story that people are going to be almost annoyed by the fact that they have so much story to go through to finish the game. Um, and that can go, in my opinion, one of two ways. You either have one, there's a lot of actual main plot story that you have to go through and you've got almost like a, you know, like a Final Fantasy-esque where it's like, you're going to be playing this thing for 30, 40 hours to get to the campaign. That would be great. The other direction it could go is you still get through the campaign in like 10 hours and then there's quote-unquote story of infinite side quests that no one gives a shit about because it's all just side quest shit that we're all used to that's what i'm afraid it's gonna be i hope it's the first one it might be the second so that one i'm a bit concerned about as well yeah i i think i, I will say i think uh, both destiny and battlefront their 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 developer teams probably learned from their first outings really really nicely done technically very smooth games brought a lot to the table in terms of minute-to-minute gameplay but ultimately underperformed at least initially, uh, based on you know having a narrative backdrop, and it's one of those things where you're like, well, it's an FPS game. There shouldn't be like, what kind of narr- what the hell kind of narrative you, do you need? Um, both Battlefront and the original version of you know Destiny 1.0, if you will, uh, they they kind of suffered from a yeah. This is you put all this. I, my feeling was you put all this work into a game that is that technically sound, that polished, plays that smooth. And there's this huge, expansive, beautiful-looking world that you're exploring, but there's z- absolutely nothing that can tell you about it. Uh, and the whole like hiding hiding things in the Grimoire cards was in- insane. Um, I think Battlefront is clearly figured that out because they're, they're definitely going to have a story-driven mode, um, and they're taking kind of a unique perspective, I think, with it. So I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see what that one's going to look like. And I think in Destiny Two. They have so much information that was out there to work with for the players to kind of build a really neat, immersive world for them, but they never could get the players to access it. So that was, I think they've learned that. And I heard a very interesting um, interview with one of the one of the executive producers probably about maybe three months ago. Uh, it is is a pretty extended interview and. He, he had an interesting take on it. He basically said that they've got a lot of, you know, like any game, they have a ton of analytics on Destiny. Like an, an, anything that you could think of in terms of pulling stats or data, they can do pretty much like you would expect any game could. But he said what troubled them and what they were really trying to get after, kind of to your point about how much story is in it, was how much content was untouched by large swaths of the player base. Uh, and he kind of actually rattled off some percentages and numbers. I, I don't have them on hand right now, but they were pretty significant in terms of how many players have never done a raid that played that actually have X amount of game time in the game, but have never actually executed a raid, or how many have never actually right. knew about X, Y, and Z weapon or or gun or whatever you know, like legendary item. And that was one of their one of the things he wanted to do was he basically referred to as uncovering the fun. Like, how do you give players access to this and teach them that these things exist in the game. And, and I, I suspect that's a little bit of where he's going with it. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a really good point. Like if you, if you actually took the time to go through the grimoire, for the plot and actually read through all of the grimoire cards, there's some good shit in there. Like it's, you can tell they, they really took their time to really try to write this story and they don't hand it all to you. It's, it's kind of like a dark souls item description, sort of hidden story. 
but you people never no one wants to log online and go read a bunch of item descriptions like that they want to kind of pick up something on the ground and go oh this is a cool looking sword and then actually read the description of it and get a little bit of story and move on um and i think that like you said they, they a lot of that that coolness a lot of that fun was kind of hidden away and that they just need to make it more accessible make it so people are encouraged to actually learn about it rather than having to go dig for it and i think that you know and this goes of course for for content as well um i think a lot of the, a lot of the way things were structured was not necessarily approachable for uh for people or certain groups of people or just not no desire to because of the way it was it was built so i think that if they can fix that what they've got already is pretty solid. It's just the way it's presented, the way it's delivered. Um, and perhaps the amount in some cases uh, could be improved on, but you know, it's, it's, they're getting there. Like taking King was a, was a good showing of, we understand our problems. We're going to try to go in the right direction, see how it goes. And they, they did a good job with that. So I hope that that, that continues. Cause I think they could, they could actually make this really, really good. All right. So that's, that's what we got on destiny two. And like Bate said, this is coming up real quick. Um, so it's, we're recording this on the 15th, but if you want to get into that beta that closed, that closed beta early access or whatever, before the open beta starts, uh, you do need to pre-order the game. Uh, it's available all over the place and you can get your, your access code and get in on the 18th or 19th, depending on which platform you are playing on. Uh, so I also moving along here. We I mentioned you know kind of Dark Souls style games, and there's one that I've actually had my eye on for a while. I just haven't gotten around to picking up called The Surge, and The Surge is um, made by the same developer who oh the name escapes me now. It was another game that was very very similar based off of Dark Souls, kind of a fantasy setting. Um, but The Surge is it takes that Dark Souls um, style of gameplay and it puts it in a sci-fi setting. Um, instead of walking around in, you know, plate armor and a sword, you're wearing an exosuit with a giant, you know, electricity club. Um, but again, same kind of gameplay, that very deliberate, hardcore, you can get one shot very easily if you're not careful start of gameplay. Um, had not had a chance to pick that up yet, but there is a demo coming out next week uh, for all platforms it's available on PS4, uh, Xbox One, and I think PC as well. So if you have not had a chance to play The Surge and want to give it a shot, keep your eyes out because it should have a demo within the next week or so. So I'll be sure to pick that one up, um, give it a shot, get my thoughts on it. And if it does go well, if I like it, I might pick it up for our next Dungeon Crawl uh, playthrough series. So keep an eye on that one. It's not one of those that's going to be hard just for the fuck of it, right? For the sake of being hard. <laughs> it's not the game for you, Bait, because you're not old enough to get it. It's okay. God damn it. <laughs> it's it's meant to be challenging and unforgiving. The, a lot of these games that are you know these souls soulsborne games they call them the Dark Souls or Bloodborne or even Demon Souls. It's not so much that they are impossibly hard. It's just that they do not forgive you when you screw up and you feel the pain of screwing up. Um, you don't get easy checkpoints. You don't get hit 50 times it's like well you screwed up three times now you're dead um it's it's honestly much more akin to classic mario games honestly where it's like you can get messed up pretty easily if you aren't careful like they they can be pretty challenging so you know it's not for everyone for sure um i think it's almost kind of like a new genre if anything but uh yeah i, I think you'd probably hate it babe. i'm just saying it probably would. I just <laughs> I, I don't know something about games being hard for the sake of being hard uh, just it. I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way, I guess. But hey, man, if that's your kind of thing, you fucking go for it, man. 
So, some people like them for masochism. I, I, I like to yeah. suffer when I play my games in some cases, so you know, it works for me. What card do you make? Two controllers that you're paying for, you throw them against the wall. <laughs> hey, the only controllers I've broken were Chocobo Racing and Final Fantasy X, fuck that shit, and Dust. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I've actually never broken a controller playing Dark Souls. Um, I will say, man, some of the most creative shit I, I've seen in the gaming world comes from Dark Souls players. It, it, like, there's that dude who played Dark Souls 2, I think. Might have even done the first one. Uh, using the the rock band drums. Yep, man. Yep. Shout out to that. Guy. And there's people who do like the, the Captain America build, where they go through with just a shield and a bare hand and just punch and block everything to death. Um, <laughs> really? You know, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now there's there's some there's some amazing stuff out there for these. Like, I'm I'm trying to just get through the game alive, and this one guy's like, oh yeah, I did Dark Souls one through three and never got hit once through the entire series. I'm like, how the what? Like I died like fifty times to this one guy, and you just like Dude, blow through it. Like if you if you ever want something that'll humble you, watch those professional speedrunners. Like do like a speed. I watched the speedrun of Dark Souls less than an hour, start to finish. What was done? <laughs> yep. No, it's. It, you know, it, it it makes you feel back. So you're like, yeah, I, I struggled through this challenge, and I I did, I, I made it. I'm, I'm I'm proud of myself. And this guy's like, oh yeah, I did it without getting hit, never died. I'm like, what the screw you? It, it is it is pretty it, it is pretty neat watching some of those guys. They they have it's interesting because they'll you know they know down to the build, like to the point build, which version they need. And they can't update it from there because there's like one specific glitch. Like, hey, did you know on this one very little spot, one little spot here, if you jump over this tree on top of this fence, you'll actually just fall right into the next level. You're actually not supposed to be able to get there, but the, the map is obviously right there. And there's this one little seam that if you find it, you can like, whoop, and you, you know, it cuts out like two hours of the game or some crap. And this guy's, it's, these guys are geniuses at it, but it's, it's amazing watching them do this. And, and Generally, most of them are also very accomplished. Normal, they play it through it normally several times, obviously. But it's, uh, I tried Dark Souls for a while. I did not break a controller for the record, uh, although it made me want to go play Candy Crush. I was like, I need to play something that I can remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I can second that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be playing Bloodborne because. Bloodborne is. I, I still haven't finished the DLC because this one boss who is like regarded as like one of the hardest bosses in the series. I just, I, I get him to like twenty percent. I just can't finish him off, so I'm stuck on that one. And after a while, I'm like, I put the controller. Down, I'm like, I'm gonna go do something I could actually be accomplished at. I just want to win something. Like someone play tic tac toe with me so I can beat you or something stupid. Like, um, I've just I've done nothing but lose for the last three hours. So you know, I, I can kind of understand that. All right. So one more thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, definitely not a hard game, um, but is one that's been long awaited. Uh, it's It's been like delayed like 4,000 times. Um, so much that I think Kingdom Hearts 2 came out like 12 years ago or something insane like that. There's been spinoff games that are all important to the plot, but we haven't gotten a main title game in over a decade. Uh, it got a new trailer showing one of the new worlds. Um, in this case, it's the Toy Story world, because if you're not familiar with Kingdom Hearts, it is a hybrid of Final Fantasy characters and Disney. Um, yes, it's weird. Um, yes, it's good if it's your kind of game. I, I'm a big fan, but, uh, you know, it's it's good stuff. But uh, at the end of the trailer, um, 
it says a 2018 release date. If you know the director of this game, um, Nomura, he is very good at making games. He also likes to take his sweet time and likes to delay them a lot. So uh, we do have a release date of 2018 for Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, I will say confirmed, but again, if you're familiar with the series and this developer, uh, it's not really confirmed. It, it could be later than that. So we'll have to see. So uh, just keep that in mind. Can we place bets on if we think it's going to get delayed again? Oh, I'll, I'll totally bet that it'll get delayed. Oh, yeah. Most <laughs> like, definitely. Because like, 2 like, came out on, like, PS2, didn't it? I remember playing bits of yep. 2 on the... Yeah. <laughs> it, has, it has been so long that there was actually no Kingdom Hearts game that was originally created <laughs> for the PlayStation 3. They, they made one for the PS2, and then there was a couple for, like, the... I mean, there's a Game Boy Advance. There, there was a game on Game Boy Advance. Think about that. Yeah. Um, and then there was a, a 3DS one, and then there was a PSP one, and then they've since kind of did HD remakes of them. Um, some were full remakes, which was pretty cool. And those got released on PS2, and then got HD remastered to PS3, and then got HD remastered to PS4, and released like 1,500 times, and we've been waiting for over a decade for the next one. So, you know, it'll get delayed, but... So far, officially, right now, it's next year at some point. So we'll have to see. Uh, so moving on to our kind of final segment here, uh, we do our game, our weekly game reviews. Um, and this week, it is Bates' chance to talk about his favorite game, Kane and Lynch 2. Yeah. <laughs> so Kane and Lynch 2 is, uh, obviously, since it's the second game, it's a sequel to uh, Kane and Lynch. Uh, I think the first one was called like Deadman or something. Apparently, which actually is not a bad game. Uh, from all the poking around I, I did to... Yeah, I actually played that. It was pretty good. Yeah, it's, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. Obviously not the greatest game you've ever played, but still not bad in any regard. Canyon Lynch 2, oh my fucking god. This game. So, it's the worst fucking game I've ever played, right? It's got a cover system that does not work. Like, you'll duck behind a car, or you'll duck behind a, a counter in an overcrowded Chinese market, and you'll be shooting, and then all of a sudden, right? Bam, you get shot. Where the fuck did I get shot from? Oh, that guy sitting behind the corner, uh, you know, not able to hit me at all? Yeah, there's that guy. He shot you. He killed you. Uh, the, AI, the AI, absolutely stupid. Uh, my favorite part about the game was actually the AI. They like to do this thing with a suicide run at you, and you can just pop out of cover, and you just shoot him. It'll line. It's great. It's the only way you can ever kill anyone, because God knows you can't hit them when they pop their heads out of cover. Because your gun only shoots two fucking feet in front of you. Um, what else? Oh my god, I love this game. The gunplay, it's kind of clunky, but it gets by. The story, pretty mediocre. Uh, very predictable. Um, and it kind of just leaves you off. You know, right there at the end, you get to the thing, this overarching goal of getting some, some guns to Africa. But you get double-crossed, as you normally do. Uh, and you never actually make Spoiler it to away. Africa. Oh. Dude, the game's been out for fucking years now. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's not like you play it anyway. And if you no. do play you'll only be dedicating four hours of your life to the game because the plot is only four fucking hours. It's not an eight-hour game or a six-hour game. It's four hours. Uh, I just lost my note. Uh, what else? Uh, let me Give me a second. Sorry, I interrupted. No, dude, you're fine, man. This is a, this is a confrontational show. Uh, interject at any time you want. If my notes load, here we go. My notes are loaded. So, it's got this great camera effect where, you know, at the time they tried to be cool and set themselves apart from every other game, but it kind of looks like shit. Because, you know, so 
if you played Outlast, you know when you look through the camera of uh, of Outlast right before your battery dies every three seconds, it's kind of like that. And then it gets really shaky. Uh, so it's shaky cam footage with I like the way the Angry Joe put it with a YouTube filter. So it looks like it it, it was made. Well, it looks like it came out in the time that it was made, which was like 2010. So it looks kind of bad. Um, what else? That's about it. Oh, and is there a lot of swear- uh, unnecessary swearing? Oh my God, there's so much unnecessary swearing. <laughs> like it made me look. I bad. see what you did there. Well, well played. <laughs> bait is and, bait is the reason we still have an explicit tag on this podcast. It, uh, we, we, man, we were it, good. It, we're good until this segment. It, it man, it bad. It made me look like a like a fucking nice person. Um. There's one more thing I wanted to touch on. Oh, every time you ran, the camera shook. So it was kind of like a really bad documentary with just the worst gameplay. And all the, every single, you know, part of the game, you're in Shanghai. So you're not in the most pretty part of the world uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But man, every single part of the map looked the same. Bland and gray, and it was depressing. It was awful. So yeah, that's challenge too. It's free, but you shouldn't play it. You should just wait. I think Pirates Lego Pirates of the Caribbean is out. Go play that instead. Why don't you tell us how you really feel, babe? Dude, I on a one on a one out of ten. What are you what are you gonna give it? On a one out of ten? Oh shit. I'm uh, I'm not gonna give it a thing. Doesn't deserve it. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. Bad, dude. So, so that's that's Bates review of Caden Lynch too. Um, I actually did two weeks in a row, so Bates will probably do next week as well. Um, with uh, who, ch- who made you play that game? Did someone? Did we? Like, I, I, fucking Bucky made me play. I make him. Okay. <laughs> Bates and I do this thing back and forth where we review one of the free games on. Uh, PSN and Xbox uh, every month, and we, we all play back and forth. But uh, I did two in a row, so so Bates gonna do this one in. And you said what Pirates of the Caribbean is? is next? I am totally gonna play Lego, uh, Lego Pirates of the Caribbean. Nice, nice. So that that'll be next week, and then we'll get back uh, uh, the following week back back to what I was doing. So um, yeah, so that's that's Bates' review of Canaan Lynch too. Now, was there anything else you guys wanted to discuss briefly before we close this one up? Okay, I'll take that as a no. So. Uh, we're going to move into some quick shout outs here. So, um, Zell. I am going to uh, give a shout out to, uh, Jordy for joining us on the show, uh, this week and, uh, you know, being our guest on this odd day with a short notice. Thank you very much for coming. Um, all right, Bate, you're up. Oh, do I have anything? I don't think I have anything. Oh, you know what I do? So right before the podcast came on, I went out and got me some ice cream. Uh, like you do, and it's this nice, nice little pint of uh, Talente uh, chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. Man, when you get chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream, what do you expect? You expect little chunks of cookie dough. No, I ain't getting no chunks of cookie dough in this, and I'm kind of pissed off about it. I just got, like, cookie dough flavoring that popped up every, every other bite. So that's my shout-out, she ice cream. It's like a shout-at someone. Shout-at, that's, yeah, that's what Pete does. He shouts at people. I shout-at people <laughs> and things. All right, Jordy, you got a shout out for shout out for us, man? Uh, not really. I'll say a shout out to my beautiful wife, Janelle. How's that? That'll get me back in the books, right? You you, you didn't wake her up, did you? No. <laughs> oh, I didn't wake her up <laughs> through the headphones, right? All right, okay, Jay, you're up, man. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Shout outs. Hmm. Tough one. Oh, I got one. 
Shout out to the UFC that, uh, purely for the spectacle that is the uh, McGregor McGregor uh. fight. I, that is the best promos that I've seen cut in a long time. If you want like a good way to, to like kill some time and watch two guys kind of go at each other, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty comical. They uh, they had a four four press conference series that's leading up to the fight, uh, and it is watching two professional shit talkers that are shit talking at each other in great grandiose manner prior to actually throwing throwing fists at each other so it should be should be pretty interesting i don't know how good the fight's going to be but the uh the pre-fight's been really good so uh so so i would do they like like sell do do, do they like sell the the access to watch the because i know i've always heard like you know commercials to to you know pay-per-view the u.s whatever fights do, do they you actually have to pay up front to watch them no. yell about the fights no no, no, you, can, no, you, no, no. You, can, you can get this off the web right now yeah the, um, in fact so it's it, it's absolutely hilarious mayweather is that you could not find two more opposite guys um like you know mayweather's he's, he's 40 so he's got kind of the same shtick that he's had for the last 20 years which is he walks around with a money bag his name's money you know floyd money mayweather and uh and he's basically that guy you had with, like if you and your cool friends were going out, you always had that one guy who would look sort of like he fit in with the group, but he was really only there to be the yeah, bitch guy. So when somebody else in the bar would say something cool, he'd be like, yeah, bitch, that that's Mayweather. And then you got McGregor, who is perhaps one of the most gifted shit talkers I've seen in a while. Uh, you know, you're kind of your, your classic Irish fast talking guys. Very reminiscent of Brad Pitt from Snatch, by the way. Uh, but he comes out in a three-piece suit, you know, dressed very well. In the, uh, he sports usually pinstripe suits. Interesting factoid, they're not pinstripes. They're actually, uh, they're words that he has on his suit. So in the suit that he came out to, uh, it was a really, you know, really nice cut, you know, dark blue suit with uh, gray pinstripes. The gray pinstripes were the, was the word fuck you about a million times in these hyper small, like 0.5 font all the <laughs> way through awesome. the suit. Yeah, and, and it is absolutely comical. And there's memes all over the internet right now about it. But it is, uh, like I said, I don't know what the fight's going to be like. I, I, it could be over in 30 seconds. Who knows? But the pre-fights have been great. So I highly recommend you guys, if you're looking for something to do in between video games, in between you know all the Netflix and Hulu and the Amazon Primes coming out, uh, you know, in between whatever you're doing, that's a good way to spend, you know, spend a little time surfing on on the web. That's fantastic. I'll check that out. And that fight is next month if anybody's interested. Sounds good. All right, my shout out is going to be a weird one. It's a shout out to all of the guys who have to wear the stupid motion capture suits in the recording Marvel films. Uh, I'm looking at one from Infinity Wars right now, and so it's this guy, and he's got this this like skin tight really unflattering spandex suit on with little triangles all over it a helmet and then honest to god it's a giant stick with like an orange wiffle ball on top and he's standing there holding a spear looking menacing so i, I can only imagine what he looks like once they do post-production but he looks ridiculous right now so shout out to those guys who put on stupid suits and then jump all over the place for for the cool cgi uh and with that i think we're gonna bring this one in for a close guys um 
Once again, thank you, Jordy, for joining us as our guest. If anyone ever wants to be on the show, we do record on Sunday evening. Uh, just let us know. Give us a contact on go to biomass.net or biomass.com. All the contact information is there. Um, we post regular stuff, lots of gameplay videos. We got some blog posts coming up once in a while, and of course, that's where the uh, podcast gets posted. If you don't pick it up on iTunes or one of our other outlets, so be sure to check out the website. Um, if you have any topics you want us to cover, any games you want us to play, either to review or to do on some of our our gameplay uh, series, just let us know. We'd be more than happy to take a look at it. And uh, yeah, so everyone, please have a safe night out, safe night out there, and uh, have a good week.